Thank you, John Weathersby. The man has some artificial uh, energy going on. He got jet lag and all kind of stuff, and peeling them off the ceilings right now. Uh, today's reading is in Psalm nine. We're still in Psalm nine. I will give thanks to Yahweh with all my heart. I, re re I will recount all your wondrous deeds. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you, for you have maintained my justice and my cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to an end in perpetual ruins. You have uprooted the cities. The very memory of them has perished. But Yahweh abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will render justice for the people with equity. Yahweh also will be a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of distress. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to Yahweh, who abides in Zion. Declare among the people his acts, for he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh. See my affliction from, from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made, in the net which they have hid. Their own foot has been caught, Yahweh has made himself known. He has executed judgment in the work of his own hands. The wicked is snared. The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. For the needy who will not always be forgotten nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. Arise, O Yahweh, do not let men prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Yahweh. Let the nations know that they are but men. These are the very words of God. Blessed be the word of God. Martin Luther, credit given to him to the start of the Reformation. You may not know that when he pounded the 95, uh, the, the 95 questions, the theses, onto the door, that he was not a believer when he did that. He was not saved when he did that. Mere questions that he asked uh, that were gathered by his students, the questions, they were written in Latin, they were not meant for public consumption. They were only meant as questions that were out there that his students would understand because Latin was not the language of the common people. Nonetheless, these students gathered these up and these questions were so shocking, the 95 verses, that within a week or so, it was throughout the countryside in the Germanic language. And the Reformation started. Luther would become a believer. He would uh, suffer many trials through his time 
as he was breaking away from the Catholic Church, uh, as he was breaking away from their false teaching, as he was leading people back to the Scripture, he would be known during that time when uh, he was he was secreted away when they were seeking to kill him, where he was a fake knight in a castle for a year that he would translate the scripture into German. This great stalwart of the Reformation, people wondered under all the things that were happening to him, the persecution that was coming, how he did it. When Martin Luther was writing to a friend, the chancellor at the Diet of Augsburg, it was a time when many of the reformers that were in there in this new movement of breaking away from the Catholic Church were were suffering severe anxiety, fear over what was happening to them. Even his close associate, Philip Melanchthon, was also very fearful. But Luther familiar with some of his hymns that he wrote. We know those words that the Lord is my fortress. He believed that. Not only did Luther believe it, but he knew it to be true. When he wrote back to this chancellor, these were his words. When he wrote back responding to why he was not fearful, he, these are the words he wrote back. He said, I fear not. Why should I fear? I have seen two miracles lately. I looked up and saw the clouds above me in the noontide, and they looked like the sea that was hanging over me, and I could see no cord on which they were suspended, and yet they never fell. And then when the noontide had gone and the midnight came, I looked again, and there was the dome of heaven. And in it was spangled with stars, and I could see no pillars that held up the skies. And yet they never fell. Now he that holds the stars up and moves the clouds in their course, he can do all things, and I trust in him in the sight of these miracles. Luther had great trust in the Lord. He looked solely to the Lord. He trusted in God's word to not only instruct him and teach him, but to give him great courage. He trusted in the words, Lord, the word of the Lord, not to look to man for salvation, but to look to the Lord Jesus alone. These words here that Luther wrote, I chose them specifically with regard to our message today out of Psalm 9, verses 15 through 20, as we close out this psalm. The title of the message is True Hope and False Trust. We will see themes that we have heard before from David in the Psalms, and we're going to look back at where we've heard them before. But as we go through here, I want you to think about where Martin Luther put his trust where he knew that the Lord was true, not trusting in the ways of man. Of course, this was certainly true for Martin Luther when it was revealed to him by the Lord the truth, that it was not man, but it was God. It says in verse 15, 
of Psalm 9, the nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made, in the net which they hid, their own foot has been caught. Yahweh, in verse 16, has made himself known. He has executed judgment. In the work of his own hands, the wicked is snared. These are certainly words or similar words which we have heard from David. We need only turn back two psalms to Psalm 7. And we will see these words in verse 14. Psalm 7 verse 14. Behold, he travails with wickedness and he conceives mischief and gives birth to falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out and has fallen into the hole which he has made. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own skull. David talking there about the individual, and now talking about the nations. Very similar in what they're talking about. The sameness of what they say, of course, it's not surprising because nations are made up of men and made up of sinful men. We should remember when we look at these words, when we see similarities in God's Word, when we see sometimes sameness in what is being said, that there are no errant words in Scripture, in the Scripture, There's no verses that were used just because I I didn't get to use this word back here, so I want to use it now. It is all God's infallible and errant word, every word chosen specifically for what it's meant to convey. These infallible and errant words are here, and when he's talking about the nations, they're here for a reason. He's drawing us into the way and the means of men. Just like Martin Luther knew the ways and the means of men. That they are consistently bent against the Lord. If we bring this idea forward now, if we think about in our own time, I don't need to go very far to see how bent a nation is against the ways of God. And I don't need to look outside the borders of the United States to find it. I can see everything that is turned away from marriage, that is turned away from children, that is turned away from God. I can see whole swaths of the government that are doing everything possible to disobey what God has said to be true. David knows this same thing. He also says there in verse 15, it says, they have sunk down in the pit of which they have made. These nations that 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 array themselves against the Lord are digging a pit of which they will not survive. A pit in which the walls will collapse upon them. Think back to Psalm 2. Psalm 2 verses 1 and 3. Psalm 2 verses 1 through 3. Why do the nations rage and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away 
their cords from us. Think about what is being said there. We have spoken, we have preached through this psalm before, but think about what is being said. That even though nations war against each other, they come together to fight against the Lord. They will array their laws and their declarations against the things that God supports. Again, we need only look at the vast array of things. We look at the support of abortion through all the nations. There are very few nations that don't support abortion now. Even nations that war one against the other. They have arrayed themselves and say, let us tear off these fetters of the Lord that says that life is valuable, that man is created in God's image. And the way we do that is we destroy image bearers of God. We destroy the most innocent that are there, the ones that cannot defend themselves. And as a matter of fact, why do we think this? If we look at the newspaper and we read about a man that was mugged and killed on the street, we say, that's bad. But if the same thing happens to a man that is knifed in his house, it sounds worse. Because a man's supposed to be safe in his house. Yet when it comes to the abortive industry, what they do, they go into the place that is supposed to be most safe and most sacred, and they kill, and they murder, and it is murder. The Lord, the, world, the, the nations of the world array themselves against the Lord. They come together to destroy the things that the Lord says are good. They fight and they dig this pit with picks and shovels and they dig it deep. Saying we must go further and farther and further away from the Lord every step they take further away from God's rule. We should not be surprised that God brings judgment on such nations. We should not be surprised when those nations, one of the greatest ways that God can bring judgment is unrighteous judges in nations. The ones that are supposed to uphold the law, just doing whatever they desire with it. We see that this happened to the nation of Israel. In fact, they were warned about this. Uh, This is no surprise what would happen. Uh, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, uh, given as a theodicy that God is the head. And if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28, we look at verse 15. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Starting in verse 15, excuse me. But it will be... It'll be uh, 28, uh, 15. I'm just going to, the whole section is 28, 15 through 35. I'm only going to read about five or six of those verses so you get a feeling for what the Lord is saying. But it, it says this, but it will be if you do not listen to the voice of Yahweh your God to keep and do all his commandments and his statutes with which I am commanding you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then he goes into the list of the curses. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed you shall be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground. The increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. 
In verse 20, Yahweh will send upon you the curse, confusion and rebuke in all that you send forth your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. I encourage you to read through those passages this week and consider that we should not be surprised in the confusion that we see in our nation or in the world. When you cast off the ways of the Lord, confusion is what follows. Confusion comes when, we have said it before, when you think that you can decide whether you're a man or a woman. God said there is just man and woman. It is clear who they are. No amount of surgery or drugs can change your DNA. And look at all the confusion that comes from it. They dig a pit, and they dig it deeper and deeper and deeper. They cast about a net, thinking they will not be caught in it. I will be far enough away when I throw it, yet it entangles their foot and causes them to trip and fall. Cursing is what comes to the nation that denies what the Lord has said to be true. We think to Romans 1 also when we see that. We can turn there just for a moment. Romans 1 shows us the manner of which this uh, brings itself about. You see, when the nations are digging that pit of their own ways, casting about the nets of their own desires, what they are really doing is self-glorification. They are saying that we are God and not God. We are our own gods and we can decide the right way and not God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, as we start there, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Verse 20 says that there is no man without excuse that can see that there is a God. Verse 21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give thanks, but they came futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Taking the clear word of the Lord, the clear instruction of the Lord that is upon everybody's heart, between right and wrong, between truth and falsity, they have chosen their own way. They have put false trust, they have held in false trusts in the goodness of man, of which we know there is no one good, no, not one. It says in verse 23 of Romans, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of the corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Like the fool in Isaiah 44, who builds the idol, who takes the piece of wood, who cuts it into two pieces, and out of one he uses it to heat a fire of which to cook his food, and the other piece of wood he carves an image out of it, and then he bows down before it and says, this is my God. This is what the nations of the world do. They worship the image of man. Man as the ultimate. It is... No lie that man who attempts to create a utopia creates a dystopian future because man can't do it without 
the Lord. Cannot do it without looking to the Lord. They make their own way as they dig that pit and cast that net. They look at the work of heaven and they look at the sea and they look at the newborn and they look at the tree and they look at the sun and they look at the stars and says there is no God. It is just man is the ultimate. Yet they wither and die every single day. Not one moment can be added to a man's life that God has not granted. Look at Isaiah chapter 45, verse 8 through 10. Isaiah 45, verse 8 through 10. Drip down, O heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up, and salvation bear fruit, and righteousness spring up with it. I, Yahweh, have created it. Woe to the one who contends with his maker, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing that you are making say, he has no hands? Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor pains? The clay standing up and shouting to the potter, what is it that you are doing? I can do this myself. It is utter foolishness. Yet daily we see man doing the same thing. The nations, the men, the women have false trust in themselves and their ability. And David says it is that which we see when they dig the pit or cast the net of their own desires that will ensnare them completely or cover them to their death. We don't have time to look at all the scripture for it, but it is important to do. It's a short book. I commend it to you this week. But there is a beautiful example of this in the scripture. It's the book of Esther. We see clearly the desires of men to do things that are against the Lord. Esther was an orphan woman. We had the three main characters, Esther, the orphan woman, Mordecai, which is her cousin who takes her as his daughter, and Haman, the Agagite. Esther becomes the queen in this non-Jewish nation. Haman, this Agagite, a non-Jew, hates, hates Mordecai. Mordecai who hangs out at the, at the gates, at the city gates. Mordecai will not bow to Haman. This man of some renown. Haman plots a vast plot against Mordecai. How am I going to kill Mordecai? I'll tell you what. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the king that he needs to put a decree to kill all the Jews. Not only in the city, but the surrounding country. All the Jews must go because they are disrespectful. And he gets the king to buy into this scheme. He digs this pit, hoping to trap someone else. He 
sets the net, hoping to snare Mordecai's foot so he can kill this man who has disrespected him. The king has no idea that Esther and Mordecai are related. Mordecai has kept that secret, has told Esther to keep it secret. Mordecai has previously saved the king from a plot that was against him merely by informing of this plot. He didn't go in with swords swinging to stop it. He just said, hey, these people were plotting against you. But Haman will find himself caught in that net. He will have dug that pit so deep that he can no longer see the sunshine. And he will suffer from it. He will be like those nations in Psalm 9.15. And then the judgment comes in Psalm 9.16. That the king finds out about this plot, finds out about who Esther is, finds out about who Mordecai is. And the decree changes to the fact that Mordecai and his entire family are hung that none are left, that those who plotted against the Jews are killed and slaughtered. The plan that Mordecai had fashioned against God and his ways came crashing down around him. Excuse me, I said Haman came crashing down around him. Haman suffered because he believed in his own, trusted in himself, trusted in his own ways, did not look to the Lord, or even a thought about the Lord, like that fool who fashions an idol and bows down before it, so is man who believes in man. This passage is a warning to us, both in Esther and then in, especially in Psalm 9, verses 15 and 16, that the judgment will come. It says, it tells us all about where our true hope is found in, much like Luther looking up to the sky and seeing nothing holding up the clouds or supporting the stars of heaven. He knew that there was a God and that he can trust in that God. True hope is to look to the Lord for our understanding to follow the ways which he has designated for us. Even when we think there is a way we would desire to go. True hope is to be found in the Lord. True hope and salvation is to be found in Him. Nowhere else. If we put our trust in man, if we put our trust in people, verse 17 says that the wicked will return to Sheol, return to true death. It is the final stop for false trust and false hope. All those who trust in themselves are the wicked of the world. All who deny the work of the cross are the wicked of the world. And they will find themselves in the outer darkness and the gnashing of teeth. Those who do not seek the Lord and seek His salvation and trust in what He will do will find themselves in Sheol, even all the nations who forgot God or forget God. Job chapter 8 verse 13 clearly tells us this. If you turn to the left of Psalms, you will find Job, considered by many to be the first of all the books written of the Old Testament. Verse 13 of Job chapter 8, verse 13 of Job chapter 8, 
so are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of, of the godless will perish, whose confidence is fragile and whose trusts, whose trust a spider's web. He relies on his house, but it does not stand. He holds fast to it, but it is not established. Words of trusting in your own understanding and not in God's ways. Romans chapter 2, verse 6. Romans chapter 2, verse 6. I'll start in verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will repay to each according to his works, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, wrath and anger. Those who seek their own ways against the Lord, wrath and anger is the final place that they will find themselves. It is the final location for all those outside of the Lord and His purview. It is the final location for those who are digging the pit of their own understanding. It is the final location of those who do not Look to the heavens and see the Lord and His work. It is those who bow down before graven images and say, this thing that I have created is now my God. Everyone found outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is doing exactly that. Whether that graven image they have fashioned is a spouse, a job, a car, a house. They have done this thing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering, since it is right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give rest to you who are afflicted, and to us as well as the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, executing vengeance on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might." False trust, false trust in man leads to true and eternal death. Do not miss this. Putting your hope in yourself or into others of creation is certain to lead you to true death. True hope is found in the Lord and His works, the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Lord of hosts. Verse 18 of Psalm 9 tells us this. It says, For the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the, afflict the afflicted perish forever. 
for the ones that trust in themselves, that trust in the nations, that trust in their government. And don't get me wrong, all governments have been ordained by the Lord. But we are to trust in the Lord, not in man. But those who put their trust in men, they look around and they say a world full of affliction and persecution, lack of understanding, with no hope. That is what the people without Jesus Christ in their life see. For any of you that are here today that do not know the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the way the world looks to you. Without hope and joy. For those that are found in the loving arms of our Lord and Savior, saved through the work of the cross, what we see is a world that needs the gospel and we will joyfully give it to them. We will teach them and teach them that they're the fetters that tie them to this earth, the chains that bind them to whatever is here can be cast off and they can know true freedom and true salvation. When we look around, when David looked around, when Asaph, the priest, looked around in Psalm 73, it is easy to see or to believe for a moment that the wicked are winning. That all we see is need and affliction, suffering and sadness, illness and death. Perhaps, sure, we would see brief respites from this, but just like now, the news back then was filled with wars and rumors of wars. Famine and rumors of famine. Yet David says that this is not the sum total of the work of our sovereign God. Don't forget this, that the entirety of the Bible speaks to the sovereignty of God and His glory and what He is doing. Psalm 50 told us last week that the affliction is just last for a period of time. That the things that we see are not the sum total of all that is going on. That these things that you have done, I kept silence that the Lord says in Psalm 50 verse 21, because you thought that I was just like you. That the tendency of man is to see the object of what man does or the things that man does and thinks that the Lord our God does the same thing and acts in the same manner. But the Lord God says this is not true. You should never think that I am like you because I am wholly different. And I am wholly, wholly, wholly. For what you see that is occurring at a moment's notice I am working through the annals of times to bring about my glory for my glorification. Salvation will be to your benefit, but to my glorification, the Lord says. He is not like us, and the scripture testifies to it. The Lord himself, as we find out in the New Testament, cares even for the small birds of the field, the lilies of the valley, that these birds, these plants, need not worry where their sustenance come from because the Lord will provide and He tells us the same. The Lord corrects us in our understanding. He even saves from the chains of death and the shackles of sin. So when David speaks in this manner, he is not wringing his hands, hoping that something will be done, 
but he is trusting and knowing that God will do the thing which he has said he will do. He knows that the sovereign God will save and rescue. David has true hope in the Lord that he knows. He has seen the work of the Lord's hands. He has trusted in what God has done and will continue to do. He has seen it firsthand in rescuing the Israelites from the Philistines where God used David himself as judgment against them. God using the unexpected to bring about his ways. A shepherd boy to kill the biggest that man had to offer so that all would know the sovereign God whom the Israelites worshipped. This is the true hope that David knows, the true hope that David trusts in, the true God that David believes in, the true God that even when David is sometimes in despair, then he turns back to the word of the Lord to get his thinking straight. It says in verse 19 of Psalm 9, Arise, O Yahweh, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Verse 20, put them in fear, O Yahweh. Let the nations know that they are but men. Turn those nations back from the thinking that they think that they are gods and show them that they are men. For a period of time, the wicked looking like they are prevailing, but they are not. It looks as though they have outfoxed God with their plans. It looks like that God is losing. Even in this day and age, people could say that because of things like abortion and transgenderism. But we must consistently look to the Lord and say that His ways are not our ways and we must not make the mistake that we think that He is like us. For all that is being done is for His glorification to show His great work. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Scripture tells us a different story and David himself knows that. He knows that a man without the Lord, a man who has put his trust in his own self, is like building a castle on that shifting sand of the shoreline. That the foundations of the structure that he sinks down based on men is rotting and rotten. That the wood is wasting away, that there is not enough cement in the concrete or not enough rebar. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 tells us clearly where we are supposed to put our hope and our trust. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus speaking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the winds blew and fell against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, 
and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We do not build upon a crumbling foundation. We build upon the solid rock of the Lord. We do not affix our structure in the shifting sands of the shoreline. We put it on firm bedrock, which is our Lord, Jesus Christ. We do not trust in programs or treasures or jobs or spouses with hope and admiration. We trust in the Lord. We don't trust in these things that the government can provide, that our job can provide, that our money can provide as a bulwark against the coming judgment. Because I can tell you right now, to stand before the Lord and point to your checkbook as salvation will be a poor thing to rely upon. To stand before the Lord in that final day and point to the position that you had at the company will not stand before a righteous and a holy God. To say to the Lord, say, look, I gave money to the poor, will not stand before a righteous and a holy God. You need the blood of Jesus at that time. Those things that we put our hope in here are merely temporary. It tells us like the grass withering away. It is fleeting. It is like the sand running out in the hourglass. Every moment without the Lord is a, is a moment of time which we will not get back. I trust that at this moment, that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you know Him now. We cannot act like this world will last forever, nor our lives. David knows this when he calls upon the Lord. He knows this when he calls upon nations to be judged. He knows this when he says to fear Yahweh. Let them know that they are but man and that their lives are running out like that sand in the hourglass. Do not put your trust in the Lord. In the, do not put your trust in man or the treasures and the promises that he gives, but put your trust in the Lord, in the promises that he gives, those treasures in heaven that you are storing up. It is his warning that he gives. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 25. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse The Lord speaking, this day I will begin to put dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens, who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you, those that follow the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says, Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. So the Lord will stretch out his hand, and he who helps will stumble and he who is helped will fall, and all of them will come to an end together. Verses that point to trusting in the Lord, we find this with Elisha and his servant. 
We remember when the servant was scared because of the pagan armies that were arrayed against them. Elisha is trusting confidently, but anxiety reigns over his servant. And what does he pray? He prays to the Lord that the eyes of the servant might be opened, that he would see what is truly happening. I want to, I'm going to come back to that in a moment, to our eyes open to what is truly happening. And what happens? The servant sees the armies of the Lord arrayed against those that are arrayed against them. And it is an army which they will not be able to stand. David himself in Psalm 9 here is telling us that our eyes are open when we look to the scriptures and the promises of the Lord. That is what we are getting at here. That our eyes are open to what is truly happening, what is truly going on when we know the Lord of the scriptures, when we know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That when we look to the scriptures, we do not trust in the legs of a man or the strength of a horse but we trust in the Lord alone. David knows that when we look to the Scriptures, when my heart is failing on a certain day, when it seems that all are coming against me, when it looks like certain death is coming upon me, that I can turn to the Word of the Lord and know what truly is. That God is sovereign. That God is God and not man. That God is doing all for His glory. That you, as Christ followers, living a life that might be under certain persecution right now, are doing it for the glory of the Lord. To point to your Lord and Savior in trust. We should look at the Scripture and read them, feeling it as like a cool breeze upon us, giving us relief and sustenance. that it opens our eyes to the way things truly are, that much like Elisha's servant, that we can look around and see that, ah, hope is everywhere in the Lord, and not just hope that it might happen, but true hope that we know it will happen in the Lord's time. False trust is that in our own ways and abilities. It is digging that pit in our own desires to do so, much like the nations do, to digging it further and further away. And when we see that image of the pit, we are digging further and further away from the Lord. Till all of a sudden the walls of that pit stretch over our heads where we can no longer see the light. Seeking to throw that net over our own hearts and desires and we entrap ourselves and are caught. Trust in the Lord is to know that your salvation is found in Him, in Him alone, and not your own works. Trust in the Lord is true hope that is found that you will be free in the salvation that He has given us through our Lord and Savior. These last verses there. Verse 19, Arise, O Yahweh, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Yahweh. Let the nations know that they are but men. Statements that David is saying in both two ways, desiring that would happen and knowing that it will happen in the Lord's time. 
I trust that all of you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you happen to not, I would trust that you would come to know Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to cast off the chains of this world, to know true salvation and true freedom in Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to trust in the work of our triune God. Let's pray. Father, we seek to know you as true Father, as a righteous Father, as the Father that gives us hope, not as our own fathers might be and faulty, but as a true Father, imperfect in all your ways, seeking our good even when it looks difficult. To know that all you do is for your glory and the benefit for those who are found in your loving grace. We are thankful for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sitting on the throne at your right hand, interceding for us at this moment in time, and for the Holy Spirit guiding us in your ways. Please continue to be with us throughout this day, throughout this week, till we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing. <clears throat>